Good morning. Gracious greetings to everyone here this morning. It's good to be here in the house of God. So like we heard this already this morning, what is today? New Year's Day, right? So last night was um, probably a New Year's party or celebration. Now we can ask the next question, who all stayed up until midnight? Well, we did. We enjoyed the presence of our daughter, Jana, down in uh, the room down there, the host room. We stayed down in the hotel down there. And had a good time. We saw the New Year's come in. And, you know, when New Year's comes around, a lot of times at a New Year's party, or soon afterwards, a lot of times, the first message of the year, people have, um, like, the New Year's resolutions. And a lot of new resolutions are made, proclaimed, I'm going to do this, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And um, so a lot of times we say things we don't do, keep very long. And I can go down the list of resolutions. But yeah, what I'd like to bring out today, one of my resolutions in alignment to do a little better in the art of shepherding, in the thing of having a shepherd's heart. And I'd like to share with you today, not to preach at you, but to encourage you to have the heart of a shepherd, have the heart of a shepherd. We sang a song this morning, it was uh, hymn number 172, my shepherd will supply my need, Jehovah is his name, and pastures fresh he makes me feed beside the living stream. He brings my wandering spirit back when I forsake his ways, and leads me for his mercy's sake in paths of truth and grace. I had to think of the Apostle Paul when I, when I sang, or helped sing this, he brings my wandering spirit back. Apostle Paul was devoted in his cause. He was genuine with his goal in doing what he thought was right, even when he was doing wrong. 
And he, I think of this, he brings my wandering spirit, spirit back when I'm forsaken place. Paul, he was, he, and leave me for his mercy's sake and path of truth and grace. That phrase in path of truth and grace. Sometimes we have ministers of the gospel that focus on the truth. The truth of the matter is this. The truth of the matter is that. And the truth of the matter is that you've sinned, my brother. You've sinned, my sister. And you're pretty hard on the, the gospel of truth sometimes can be pretty radical, pretty hard. But then you have ministers of the gospel that focus on the grace of God. I call that the soft grace, soft love, but very powerful. But the combination of the truth and the grace is a very, very powerful thing. Very powerful to be in truth and yet very powerful in God's grace. We are all recipients of grace. And as shepherds, we need to have that combination, that perfect balance of truth and grace. We need to be honorable. We need to be pure. Honorable before God. But we need to be gracious with our fellow and human person. Now I'd like to encourage all the faculty here, all the students that are here, the residents and all the workers that are here today. You are a shepherd of our souls. I'd like to just um, introduce myself. You probably know we heard already. We're the parents of Gamma. And uh, my wife, Lois, my whole family is here. And my oldest son, Tyler, just married two or three years ago. His wife is here with us. Tyler and Dixie are here. So, yeah, I'd like to invite your presence sometime in our congregation. We're from Alford, Nebraska, and Providence, and that church. And um, we're at one hour south of Omaha. So if you ever come through Interstate 80, just um, we're just an hour south of Omaha there. It gets a little colder up there than here. So yeah, just like to be hospitable there. Really appreciate the work here in Hillcrest, the work that you're involved in, the work you do. Really appreciate the leadership throughout the years. Homer and Elsie been here. We were at the, their, um, whatever you call it, their um, party, party there. I didn't say it. But yeah, my oldest sister did a year of duty here, way back in the late 80s, I believe. My oldest brother Nelson was here. My wife did the term here. And um, I never did. I went to Central America instead of police, because I was here and whatever. But I really respect people that do BS service. I think that's good. And I'd like to encourage all of you to keep up the good works. My son Tyler and I, we were down in the ladies went material shopping yesterday. So Tyler and I, we decided we're going to go pawn shopping. That's a little more fun for us guys. So we met a lady in the pawn shop. I said, well, my daughter Anna works in the Hillcrest. And she just hiked right up. She said, that is a good one. That is a real good one. Very, very professional. Very good facility. But I'd like to pass that on to you as an encouragement of all of you that are involved in the work in Hillcrest here. Okay, up a story here. There was the heart of the shepherd. What is a shepherd? There was this man traveling in Morocco, and while going down an old country road, he witnessed this car hitting a little lamb beside the road. 
And this Torah, he had an interpreter with him. And his interpreter was interpreting the things that transpired. They stopped, and they were listening in. And the interpreter was listening, listening some more. And finally he said um, to the Torah, this man, he said, when an animal, when a sheep gets hit on the road, according to local law, there's the person that hits this animal, this little sheep, has to give hundred times the value of the sheep. That's local law, he said. The shepherd is entitled hundred times his value. So let's do the math a little bit this morning. Let's say that sheep is worth ten dollars. Well, hundred times ten is a thousand dollars, right? Now you add another zero to the equation. Let's see. Let's say that sheep is worth a hundred dollars. You add another another zero. That's ten thousand dollars. They're listening. Now this is prime opportunity for the shepherd to make a little dough, make a little money. But as the interpreter was listening, um, no, he said the shepherd is refusing a replacement. Doesn't want another sheep. He said, this is, can't be replaced. This sheep is precious to me. No, he said, he doesn't want any money either. And the interpreter said, the good shepherds around here don't want money for their sheep if something happens to them. Because he knows every sheep by name. This sheep is very precious to the eyes and the heart of the shepherd. In the meantime, as they witnessed this, the shepherd, the old man, Sheep that was injured. He picks up this wounded, injured sheep and he puts it in the little pouch of the shepherd's robe. And as he stroked the head of the injured sheep, he called his sheep by name. You see the picture of the heart of the shepherd. He didn't want another sheep, he didn't want money for a sheep, he didn't want another one to replace it because this one is very precious. That is the heart of the shepherd. And he knows every sheep by name. He knows my name, he knows your name. And your name is precious in the life and the heart. And you cannot be replaced. There is only one you. There's only one me. What are you going to do as a shepherd? What are you going to do in this life? having that same heart of the shepherd. I'm not here to preach to you, but I'm here to encourage all of us. What are we doing with that heart of the shepherd? Are we a mentor? Are we a student? Are we both? We are influenced as we influence. So we can learn from everyone. The Bible even says that the fool, we can even learn from the fool. We, the Bible talks about old age, how wisdom is with old age. Experience, you might say. Young people, there's a lot of men, there's young people here. There's a lot of potential with every young person here. There's a lot of potential for good, there's a lot of potential for bad. Depends on which direction you go on the crossroads. We are a blessed people. We have this great opportunity in the land of Christianity. How much influence are you under? Negative or positive? How much influence are you portraying or representing yourself? Am I portraying an influence of positivity, of Christianity? Or am I portraying this 
These other sheep he's referring to the Gentile nation, not just to the Jews. And other sheep I have, which I have not told by none of this whole. He was talking to the Jews. These other sheep are the Gentiles. And those other sheep are you and I. We are the Gentile nation. Praise God that made God made it possible for us to come into the fold of the sheepfold. Now let's go through this a little bit of the sheepfold here. Um, when the shepherds in the hills of Judea, shepherds brought their flocks in for the even, for the even time. As the sun darkened, they wanted a protection, a closure for their flock. So they could either go to a local cave and lead their flock into the cave's entrance, and then lay across the entrance of the cave to protect the sheep as the sheep had protection in the cave. Or they could go to the closest sheepfold. A sheepfold, there might have been one owner, if you pick it up. There might have been two owners. There might have been three or four or five or six owners that brought their sheep to the sheepfold. And in the morning, these sheep were all mixed in up. And as the shepherds in Judea, as they went, they called their sheep. They usually sang, and those sheep recognized the singing voice of their own shepherd. And he would lead their sheep out, and the sheep would come out and follow each shepherd. They understood. These people understood what Jesus was trying to say. He said, I am the shepherd, and my sheep know me. And I'm going of me. You know, verse 1, verse 2, that he that entered in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name. You know, he could have named them one by one. Who knows how many sheep he had in their name, of course. And when he put forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. Another story I want to study on this subject of sheep, another story I read was the tourist was in another country one time, and it was several days, he was followed along with the shepherd. And he asked the old shepherd on about the second or third day, he said, how is it that you sometimes lead your sheep, but sometimes you put a lean sheep in place to lead? You know, the shepherd said, well, I never thought of it that much. He said, but when I lead them to a new area, area new field, I leave the sheep. Because that way they know where to go, who to follow. But he said, if I have a very, very familiar paddock or pasture that I want this flock to go, I just put my lead sheep in place. And the ewes will take off, and they'll, she'll leave the flock, and they follow her. That's a good illustration of shepherds. It's to put other shepherds in. He put a certain amount of leadership with the sheep. That's mentoring. That's on the job training. And I have to think as parents, I'm a parent, some of you are parents. We do well to do that very thing, to put our children in the harness in the right time, in the right amount. It takes the To not overwork them, you might say, not to burn them out. 
that a little more later. John 14, verse 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I know of mine. God knows all of his children and knows them by name. Verse 3, we read that he knows the sheep by name and leadeth them. I have to think of this. Do I know all of my children by name? Yes, of course, I know all of my children by name. But do I truly know them by name? Do I understand their traits? Of course. Do I understand their talents and gifts and things like that? Do you know all your fellow workers by name? Of course you do. But do you truly know them by name? Do you really know that part? Do they really know your heart? That's a good question for all of us. That unlovely person. Do they sense that love? That popular person. Do you does he or she understand your love and concern? Person that's involved in popularity and trends and bad styles of this world or not as a Christian. Do they know your does, do, does he know that you know him by name? That's a challenge for me. Does my wife know that I know her name truly? Nothing is more important to a person than their name. Do you know that? I read up on that one. The value of a name. Marketing people know that. And when I was talking my wife, Lois, I read this before I courted her, and I used and abused her name. I, I said Lois, and she just blew her tongue and said Lois, and she was She wasn't even aware of it. Maybe until now. Because the value of a name is really awesome. You, you can call her dear, you can call her honey, but nothing's more precious to her ears than Lois. You get the picture? You meet your friend. You want to be have the heart of a mentor, the heart of a shepherd. Use people's names. Use the resident.
and we give and take, and we encourage, that's a great victory. Leonard said this morning, give a glass of water. Just say a name. Just give a little bit. Give a glass of water. Just small things. Those things get up. All of us are shepherds of some sorts. We're, um, I'd like to encourage all of us, especially parents, to be a shepherd. All of you girls, all of you boys, encourage you to be a shepherd for your life. But choose your family life. I was at a, a man's deathbed one time in Florida. I had cancer coming on ago. He knew he was dying. We knew he was dying. I asked him, I said, Brother Stephen, what is the best advice you would have for me that will continue living and you will go home to your glory? He was a faithful man, he was a minister, the bishop. And he said, Berlin, he said, my advice to you as you go forward and to the advice that you give to other people, he said, choose your friends well. I was astonished. I was like rubbing my chin later and said, What? As I was expecting him to say great and marvelous things. Be faithful. You know, be holy. Live a good life. But he just said one simple thing. He said, Choose your friends well. Think that through. You need to be friends with everyone. But make sure you don't chum with Judy the Stone. Or you might smell it with Judy the Stone. You get the picture. Choose your friends well. Because that will evolve. Your friendship is very, very influential. But be a friend. As a Christian, be a friend of everyone. But make sure you choose your friends well. A good shepherd thinks differently than that of a CEO of a corporate business. A good shepherd is not a military drill sergeant that's yelling orders and dictating orders to the private soldiers. A good shepherd does not operate that way. A good shepherd will lead through everything. Let's turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Here is a verse that I think is very worth, well worth our time turning to. Mark chapter 6. Verse 34, just one verse. This is one of the greatest verses of the heart of the shepherd, in my opinion. Verse 34, chapter 6 of Mark, it says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion for them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And in the sideline it says, the five thousand fell. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, was moved with what? He was moved with compassion. That love and compassion of the heart of the shepherd is a wonderful thing. And he had such great love, great compassion, that he was able to feed five those 5,000 people stayed because they wanted to stay and listened to 
have sometimes. Sometimes you don't have. Because our love stretches thin sometimes. We get irritable. We get hurt. But I'd like to encourage the leaders of the faculty here to speak steadfast. Keep on having that compassion and love for the people that come to us. It's not anything. But I encourage you to keep on that love and compassion. People won't forget it. It might be an unthankful role. You might not even, you might think it's not noticed. But it is noticed. God notices. People will notice. People will never forget that compassion and love that's displayed on your face, on your very life, on your demeanor. Just that positivity of being Christian. That compassion means involvement. You know, parents, do we allow our children to lead out sometimes? There is a balance to put people in a harness. We get back to this story of putting our children in a harness. Years ago, when I was 14, 15, 16, I was involved in horse training. We would go to Macon, Missouri, sail along there with a lot of brothers, we'll buy these. Mustangs, some were full Mustangs, some were half Mustangs, some were quarter horses. I remember training an American saddle horse. And I was young and impulsive, and I burnt some horses out by overtraining them too fast. But parents, you can do the same thing with your children by pushing them. Is your son, is your daughter a prodigy? You want them to excel. You push them to the point where they literally do one of two things. They either burn out, they lose spirit. There's no heart in horse training. We just put the saddle on, buckled up, and rode them out. Until they came to a standstill, puffing and puffing. And we thought we were training, training horses. But if you overdid that, you could break his will, too much of his will. And you burn him out, that horse never mounted much because he was just horse. You don't want to do that. Horse trainers, you either burn them out, or you will do, you'll have a scenario of what we, we bought a horse one time from a good friend of ours. His name was Terry. And this horse was trained in the barrel racing arena. And all that horse knew was first gear and fifth gear, overdrive. Because he was raced out. That's all he knew is to walk or race. And nothing interesting. He was no good at cutting cattle, working cattle. And he was, I call raised out. And that's what parents do sometimes with their boys and their girls. They're either burn them out, or they'll teach them so much on one idealism. Do this, do that, and you're just going to excel, and you're going to be ideal in this. And they lose the balance of life. They lose the balance of second year, third year, and fourth year, and then maybe fifth. But all your children know sometimes is either do nothing, or all that all You get the picture? That is a challenge. Is to be there with your involvement. Years ago I read an article in the Farmer Ranch. He said that article said if you want your sons and daughters to be involved in your ranch or farm, get them involved. Be there with them. And they recommended if you want your son to be a rancher or a farmer, like a rancher, buy your daughter or son a cow and get them involved in ownership of a cow. That gets them involved. 
And so I did that to Tyler and Jenna. They bought a heifer. A heifer for five bucks. And that heifer had a, a heifer for a cow. And, you know, years went by and Tyler and Jenna never forgot, let me forget that that was their heifer. And the offspring of that heifer was theirs, you know. And that's good. And I, I treasure those memories. Uh, how they got involved in that. That's just an illustration how we can get our children, our neighbors involved. Think, think how you can get involved with people like Jesus did in the feeding of the 5,000 people in Jackson. He saw the need. He got involved. He got into their minds. He got into their hearts. And he was a chief shepherd. We can learn. Um, we can learn lessons of that. The heart of the shepherd. How do we protect our sheep? I know I'm just about running out of time. The heart of the shepherd. In the, in the 23rd chapter of Jeremiah, it talks about how pastors, or just reading verses, you don't confirm to them. Jeremiah 23, verse 1 says, Woe unto the pastors that destroyed and scattered the sheep of my pastor, saith the Lord. Verse 2, last part says, I will visit upon you the evils of your doing, saith the Lord. We as shepherds, sub-shepherds, make a lot of mistakes. Young people, there's a lot of young people. I just like to talk from my heart this morning. Young people. There's a story I like to read of admonishment about crossroad decision-making. On Monday, February 6, 1995, I know that's a long time ago, according to the Chicago Tribune, a Detroit bus, bus driver finished his shift on the Route 21 bus and headed for the terminal. But somehow he took a wrong turn. He didn't arrive at the terminal at the scheduled time of 7.19 p.m. And a short while later, his supervisor started looking for him. Meanwhile, the driver's wife called the terminal and reported her husband might be disoriented from medication he was taking. For six hours, the 40-foot city bus and its drivers and his driver could not be found. Finally, the state police found the bus and the driver. 200 miles northwest of Detroit, the bus was motoring slowly down a rural road, two-lane road, weaving slightly from side to side. The bus pulled the bus. The police pulled the bus over, and the driver said he was lost. The police news release later stated. The driver had no idea where he was and agreed he had made a wrong turn somewhere. Apparently, this had not occurred to him during the four hours of which he drove without finding the bus depot. Unless we confront those who have taken a wrong turn in life, they may never regain their orientation. Young people that are here, I like to encourage you to value your cross Choose your friends well. Young people sometimes are trying to figure out where they are in life. Sometimes you feel burnt out. Sometimes you feel like you're raced out. You need to perform. You need to perform in your race out. Don't make those mistakes. There's natural things. The men of God in the old faithful and the prophet Elijah, he was burned out. He felt raced out. Many times. Some 
of us, we have to realize that the biggest nation in the world is the imagination. The strongest nation in the world, never forget, is indoctrination. And the way you are indoctrinated by your peers, by your parents, by your friends, has a huge, huge impact. potential for everyone that's here today. Do the best you can. I encourage you to keep on keeping on with your work. New Year's Day. This is New Year's resolution. You might say we're going to exercise more. We're going to lose weight, get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, give life to the, live life to the fullest. And the list can go on and on. But in closing, I'd like to say this. There are times when realignments are necessary. <coughs> Churches need to realign. People personally have to realign. When you put a new set of tires in your car or truck, and the old tires go like this, your old tires might do that, or your new tires can just, you know, you get a balance. That's the balance of life. But sometimes you put brand new tires on, and the vehicle still kind of pulls left or right. That's when a realignment is in order. Because if you don't realign, you're going to same is true in our lives. As we go down through life, we're not aligned exactly. If our moral compass isn't straight to north, we're leaning to the left and we're fighting to the right. And we don't realign our hearts, we're going to prematurely wear out. And when you get the New Year's resolution time in the era, realign according to the Bible, and you will never go wrong. That's my encouragement. Always keep the Word of God as number one. Not Google, not Facebook, not all the other electronic media that has such powerful things in the world, but the Word of God. Speak to the Word. Let's all bow our heads to Father God, we thank you for this day. What I have to think of everyone here today the great potential that every soul has here today, the impact that everyone needs in life. Lord, we know that you made every person precious, that you know all of your sheep by name, and that you call those names time by time. And in the end of all life, in eternity of the great judgment day, you will call your sheep by name, and that will be a Thank you for being our shepherd, providing, nurturing, protecting. The list can go on and on. We all trust this man. We ask all these things in blessings in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the Lord be with you all, and, and bless your work here.